0: closing out the series, A Gift for All, this morning with what I believe is the most important message of the series. It's a reminder of who we are and what God has called us to do. So the title of my message this morning is A Gift Worth Giving to Others, A Gift Worth Giving to Others. In Matthew chapter 2, you read about the wise men these weird astrologers from Iraq that had great wealth that journeyed miles and miles and it took them years and they defied the government for the sake of grace. When Herod said, you come tell me where that baby will be born, they defied the government for the sake of grace. I hope Abbas House is the kind of church that will always put an emphasis on grace. That we will err on the side of grace. Now, I hope we never make a mistake. I hope we always get it right. But when we fall or when we fail, I hope we err on the side of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it is the gift that keeps on giving. I believe it is a gift that was paid for 2,000 years ago that we will never be able to pay back. I'm talking about the gift of God's grace. When Paul was thinking of God's grace after all he had done in his past, he said in his writings in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So what can we learn from the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that these wise men, these astrologers traveled for years and miles to give the Messiah. Well, I've taught you that the gold represents wealth, that frankincense represents worship, and that myrrh represents our work because of the process it took to extrapolate the myrrh. We can give those gifts to God, our wealth, our work, our worship. Those things are not just a requirement. They are the gateway to our blessing. But I'm talking to you this morning about the gift of God's grace, the gift of God's grace. First, it is a multi-functional gift. Everybody say multifunctional. It was first personal in nature, just like the wise men and what they went through to be with this young toddler. When we give grace to others, it stretches us. It can be uncomfortable for us. It can challenge our theology and the religion in which we were raised. Grace is a challenge because to give grace, you have to remember how rotten you were when God found you. To give grace, you have to understand that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In order to give grace, you've got to be honest with yourself about who you are and how far you have left to go. Because in the kingdom of God, we've never arrived. The moment we think we've arrived, that's when pride sets in and we prepare ourselves for a great fall. We must always understand that we are governed by force greater than that of ourselves, that every gift we have came from our Creator, that every success we've been granted in this life is not a success of our own. We were given these gifts by Almighty God. These gifts were personal in nature. These wise men traveled a long way. I heard a story one time about a young American female missionary who was teaching young children in a tiny African village, and she had about completed the first semester and was going to go home for Christmas. And this young boy came in and had a little wrapped gift, and she opened the gift, and it was one of the most rare seashells in all of the world. They're expensive. You can only get these seashells near the Atlantic Ocean. And in order to get This particular kind of seashell, you have to walk miles and miles over treacherous terrain at the risk of your own life. And this teacher knew how valuable this seashell was. And she began to cry. And she told the young student, how did you do this? Why did you do this? You could have been hurt. You could have been killed. And he looked back in his broken English at that American missionary, and he said, long walk, part of gift. Long walk, part of gift. And when I heard that story, I thought about first and foremost, the walk my Savior took, being beaten and mocked all the way to Calvary and how he died on that cross for my sins. I thought about Mary and Joseph and how far they had to travel to get to Bethlehem to have that baby. I thought about my dad and how all through his life there was something in him that wouldn't quit. If he was going through hell, he would get up on Sundays and preach the gospel. If people lied about him, he'd still get up and preach the gospel. If people hurt his friends, he still got up and preached the gospel. When people falsely accused him of being a money preacher, when he lived humbly and gave every penny away, he just kept standing here week after week preaching the gospel. And the greatest gift my parents gave me was not a Nintendo when I was a child or a Sega Genesis. It was the gift of their walk to be able to watch them and understand that no weapon formed against them could prosper, that the devil tried his very best. But at 74 and 73, they stand. And while many of their friends have finished in failure, they walk in integrity because of how they've lived. The long walk is part of the gift. And I hope one day my three sons will say, oh, daddy had us young and he wasn't perfect. But when times got difficult, he just kept walking. When people lied, he just kept walking. When people doubted him, he just kept walking. He just kept showing up doing the right things. He kept loving us when we didn't deserve it. Yeah, sometimes we fall and sometimes we get dirty on the journey. But as long as you keep walking, God will keep leading. A long walk is part of the gift. It was personal in nature. It was valuable in culture. Valuable in culture. Just like the gifts of the wise men, grace is not only personal in nature, it is valuable in culture. When everybody else is jumping on the bandwagon to throw stones about a failure of a human being and and the religious crowd saying crucify him, crucify him. Oh, what a hypocrite he is. Oh. I choose to go the different route. I choose to pray. I choose to pray for God's grace to take hold and for repentance and for restoration and for a mighty move of God. This pastor will never jump on the bandwagon even when someone's wrong and in sin. I will not jump on the bandwagon because the Bible teaches you judge the sin, not the person. And I will never condone anyone's sin, but friend, I'm not jumping on any bandwagon kicking someone while they're at the bottom. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. Valuable in culture. Do you think when someone's at the bottom and they've lost everything, they need us to add fuel to that fire? The Bible says in Galatians that we who are spiritual, we're supposed to be spirit-filled in this house, right? We're to gently restore someone who's fallen into sin, pull them out of the fire, and bring them back into the fellowship. That's what we're called to do, valuable in culture. This is what Richard Foster said, and I quote, giving with a glad and generous heart has a way of rooting out the tough miser within us. Even the poor need to know they can give, just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. That something is it destroys the demon of greed. When we give, it destroys the demon of greed. When we give grace, it destroys the demon of religion. I'll never forget when we started our ministry in Dominican Republic, we rented a little place for about $50, $100 a month, and we'd cram 40 kids in there feeding them till we could build our children's center. And I went, and we would have church there on Sundays. And I mean, the kids are crammed in there, the mamas, you know, it's just a little room, and man, we certainly weren't social distancing back then. And I was preaching, and Pastor Jose and I got in an argument, which we often do, and I said, we're going to take an offering today. He said, Pastor, these people are poor. They're dirt poor. I said, it's not about that. I'm not keeping the money. The ministry is. But I said, we're going to teach them generosity. We're going to teach them to give. And it was so powerful, those 30 or 40 mamas and their children. We took a little offering during the message, and each and every little mama participated. And tears coming down their face because if something happens – When we learn the value of giving something to others, giving something to the kingdom. Personal in nature, valuable in culture, and spiritual in honor. Gifts that involve human interaction are very important. Serving others, moving beyond our own self-interest into the lives of other people, that moves the hand in the heart of God. When we move past our own self-interest into the lives of other people, I'm talking about the grace of God. Isaiah chapter 1 says, though our sins may be scarlet, they will be white as snow. I'm telling you, God's cleansed us through his blood. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you come to Jesus Christ, things are lifted off of you and he takes them and he lightens the load for the long walk. I tell you, you keep walking, but it's easier to keep walking and to give that gift of a long walk when you have Jesus lightening your load. And he'll take that stress and that pressure right off you. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I've taught you this, but that word creation in the Greek means progressive change. Which means I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I'm not as good as I'm going to be. And some of you may just be in process, making minimal progress, but you're walking. Amen? Amen. You're moving forward. And the Spirit of God will match you step for step. And before too long, you'll look back and go, my goodness, how did I make it this far? Because the Spirit of God led you that way. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus It's not of God to carry guilt and shame. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Everybody shout grace. Grace Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. Grace is a new beginning. Grace is a gift purchased by the blood of Calvary. Grace is not a license to sin, but a lifestyle of gratefulness to God. This is the doctrine of grace, Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. Verse 12 of chapter 6, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion, important word there, over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Quickly, in the Garden of Eden, we lost our dominion. Adam and Eve declared their independence from the kingdom of God. They lost their covering, brought a curse on mankind. That is why our flesh is tempted to do the wrong things. That is why we experience death. Death is the final sting and it is the result of sin. But Jesus... Bore that curse on the cross and he took back the dominion from Satan He gives it to us through the power of the Holy Spirit through his kingdom keys so that we can live victoriously This does not mean sinless perfection What this does mean is that sin will not have dominion over you sin can't have dominion over you because you've been called to take dominion You've been called to take back ground that the devil's stolen as a Christian Now once you've been saved a while you've got to understand now you're on mission And you have to be salt and light. So you have to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You have to give this gift of grace. You have to go in and be a a change agent, a kingdom shaker, a difference maker. God's called you to do it. It's not just the pastor's job. You've got to see yourself on mission to take back dominion. And you can't take back ground from the devil if sin has dominion over you. This doesn't mean you're not going to make some mistakes. You will. But the Spirit will allow you to recognize those mistakes grow from them, repent of them, learn from them, and use them as instruments to bring people out of death into life. That's what God has called us to do. Grace is our conviction. It is our salvation. The old covenant sacrifices where they would sacrifice bulls and goats and turtle doves and all of those things, those were a shadow, a skion of of things to come. Now, because of the blood of Jesus, we can live free and fully alive. This is the reality of identity rooted in intimacy. So now we don't have to bring our animals in here. We don't have to shed literal blood in here because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, man. That's good news. Now we're called to beloved identity that leads to intimacy. Now our one goal is to love on Jesus and walk out his purpose for our lives and be faithful to the things he loves. That's what God has called us to. So grace is our conviction, Hebrews chapter 10. Grace is our compass. It's what leads us into dark places and gives us the ability to shine our light. Grace is our calling. Grace is our calling. Jesus said, just as the Father has sent me, I send you. Everybody point at your chest and say me. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. God wants you to be an agent of grace. An agent of grace. Grace is a reward for the faithful. Listen to this. As much as it is a rescue for the sinner. See, we love to celebrate the rescue. Man, I'm coming home. I'm the prodigal son. I'm coming home. I've been redeemed. I've been restored. Ah, but grace is also a reward for the faithful. Those of you who serve the Lord. Read Hebrews that live a life of faith. Oh, my goodness. That means that grace will continue to bless generations that come after you. Because of your walk, it is a reward for the faithful as much as it is a rescue for the sinner. So, it's a multifunctional gift. Number two, it's an unrepayable gift. You can't measure the cost of God's grace. It is not materialistic, it's not tit for tat. It's not you do for me and I do for you. I mean, that's the culture we live in, isn't it? I'll support this as long as I get this. I'll do for you as long as down the road you'll do for me. That's not how grace works. Grace is I give to you and I expect nothing in return. I forgive you even though you didn't ask for it. I forgive you even though you were wrong. I do what's right because Jesus gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. Jesus gave me mercy when I deserved punishment. That's why you forgive, not to condone what they did, but to move on with Jesus to the life he's called you to. It's an unrepayable gift. Number three, it's an unexpected gift. Man, it's an unexpected gift. I mean, that's the story of the prodigal son, the parable Jesus told. In Jewish culture, a son that dishonored his father would be stoned. A son that said, hey, Pop, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. And then the son goes and blows it. I mean, you can imagine the the Pharisees standing around Jesus when he's telling this parable, they were waiting to get to the end of the story. And, And because they were religious minded, they were probably excited about the punishment this lost son was gonna receive. But Jesus changed the game. And everything these Pharisees, that knew the law, everything they were expecting, the opposite occurred. Not only did the father welcome him home, he restored him better than he was when he left. He restored his wealth, his honor, his position, his community standing. He restored everything about this prodigal son because that's who God is. If you remember, the prodigal son was rehearsing. He just wanted to come back and be a slave in his father's house. But something unexpected happened. He received an unexpected gift, the gift of grace. When's the last time you gave the gift of grace to someone that didn't deserve it? I tell you, the kingdom will shift When we start giving the gift of grace to people who don't deserve it. When given to a sinner, this gift brings joy. This gift brings joy. It confuses those who are lost because they don't understand it. But it brings joy. It gives hope. And the Bible says it adds no sorrow with it. It's not tit for tat. It's an unexpected gift. Next, it's an irreplaceable gift. It doesn't require annual software updates. Somebody shout amen. It doesn't go out of style every two or three years. It's irreplaceable. It will never go out of style. It has a lifetime warranty on it that when you offer someone the gift of grace, it will bring a harvest to your life and it can set them free and the generations that come after them. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we share the love of Jesus Christ or when we forgive those that have hurt us or when we offer people a way out of their shame and their guilt, things change. Not just for that person, not just for that moment, but throughout eternity. It's a momentous gift, a momentous gift. It is of the utmost importance and brings momentum. A wise man once said, he who waits to do a great deal of good all at once will never do anything. Giving the gift of grace brings momentum to your life. It sets you apart from the religious establishment. It opens you up to new relationships in the kingdom of God. It gets you out of your Church of God box or your Baptist box or your Presbyterian box or your Anglican box or your Greek Orthodox box or your Catholic box or your Church of Christ box or whatever box you were born in. Grace is of the kingdom. and the Greek, it is charis. It is a gift. That's why... I don't even like the word charismatic because they associate it with just the spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues. The word charis is grace. So you call me a charismatic, you're calling me a grace fanatic. And you would be exactly right. Grace fanatic. Committed to the second, third, and fourth chance. Lifting up the name of Jesus. Understanding that I don't know what's in your heart. Only God does. I don't know what's in your heart. How can I judge you if I don't know what's in your heart? Now, you bear fruit. Some of you, I'd say they're godly, they're faithful, they love Jesus, they know the Word. But truthfully, I don't know what's in your heart. Only Jesus does. So how can I judge your motives if I don't know what's in there? So the kingdom is to believe the best about the God that lives in you. Believe the best about you. And sure, you may let me down, but you can't let me down because you're a body of flesh. The spirit inside of you will never let me down, those of you who are saved. Your flesh may, but your spirit can't if I'm walking with Jesus. Is this messing you up? I hope so. You can't fail me. You can only fail him your spirit, and your heart. I don't know what you've been through. Not only can I not judge your motives, I don't know what you've been through. Maybe you've been involved in a a sexual sin. Maybe you were molested all throughout your childhood and you never dealt with that root. How can I judge you if I don't know what you've been through? (laughs) Maybe you're constantly seeking attention and you're obnoxious. You get on everybody's nerves, how can I judge you if I don't know what happened in your childhood that orphaned you and made you feel like you've gotta be the center of attention? How can I judge you if I don't know what you've been through, the pain you've walked through? I can't, that's his job. Now I have to judge the sin and so do you if you're saved, but I don't have to sentence you to death in the name of religion, because that's not what God called me to do. God called me to be an agent, read 2 Corinthians, of reconciliation. I'm reminded of the woman at the well, been married five times, so ashamed she went to this well during the hottest part of the day to avoid seeing the other women because she'd probably slept with some of their husbands And she walks to this well to get a drink and she runs into a man and Jews didn't speak to Samaritans and men weren't supposed to talk to women. It was against the religious culture of the day. But Jesus again thought, I'm going to do what the wise men did. I'm going to reject the government because I'm the king of a new government we're about to shake some things up. And that woman got something to drink that day that changed her life. She got a drink of God's grace. And I'm telling you this Sunday morning, if you'll get a drink of God's grace and you won't worry about which mountain to worship on or what religion says, but you'll fall in love with a savior named Jesus, born in Bethlehem, never sinned, fulfilled 3,000 promises and is promising to come back for us. If you'll fall in love with a man named Jesus, he'll change your life. And that gift of grace will change everything about you and what God has called you to. Give the gift of grace to someone in 2022, Abbas House. Be an agent of grace in 2022. Give a gift that will keep on giving to your community, to the people that work with you or for you. Be a change agent. Grace lasts forever. It leaves a legacy and it demands responsibility. Let me give you some practical challenges for 2022, if I may. Y'all good with that? Grace challenge for 2022 for this church, for those of you watching online or who are in the house today. First thing I want to ask you to do, Abba's house, is to choose conversation over criticism. Don't judge people you've never sat down face-to-face with and had a conversation with them. Don't judge people you've never taken the time to get to know. What does it mean to choose conversation over criticism? Give people the gift of your undivided attention. When you have lunch with them, and listen, I'm bad about this. The Lord's convicted me of it. I read Dr. Gary Chapman's book, Love is a Way of Life, and it's radically transformed me. When you have a, an appointment with someone or, or you're, you're conversating with someone, put your dadgum phone away and look them in the eye. Even if you've heard them tell the story three or four times, give them your attention. That's an act of grace, giving people your attention, letting them know that they matter. And it takes discipline, especially when your phone's going off 24 hours a day with prayer needs and things people are going through like mine does. But when you have an opportunity, do your best to give people your undivided attention. Have a conversation with people. Listen to understand, not to argue. See, some of us conversate and we're just waiting for the people to get through so we can say what we believe to show them how smart we are or to set them free because we're so knowledgeable. Sometimes people just need us to listen at this house. Just listen. Listen to understand, not judge. Listen to understand, not judge. That is an act of grace. If you have to disagree with them, do it with grace. Do it with grace. If you failed in, the, in one area and you've had a break in covenant in your relationship, acknowledge what you've done and apologize. Maybe you didn't do it all. But rarely in my lifetime have I ever seen a break in covenant, a marriage, a friendship, a church relationship, whatever it may be. I have never seen a break in covenant that didn't involve two parties. It's easy to say it's all this person's fault or it's all that person's fault. That's the easy way out. But a spiritual person understands when a covenant is broken, it took two to break it see, but we love to play victim. I'm challenging you in 2022 to own your part. Choose conversation over criticism. Number two, choose compassion over condemnation. For those of you who are strong in the prophetic and stand for truth, that's how God made you, keep being that way. But I want to challenge you, if you're not getting through to a sinner, to a person that's lost, or to a person that's hurting, try compassion over condemnation and see what happens. Try going the extra mile. Try showing compassion to someone who doesn't deserve it. Didn't Jesus do that for you? If he did, say amen. Amen. Didn't Jesus do that for you? You deserve to be condemned, but he gave you compassion. Now, why don't you give that gift to other people in 2022? Choose compassion over condemnation. Number three, choose collaboration over control. We may not agree on everything, politically, socially, even religiously, but Abba's House, find out what you have in common with someone And collaborate with them on kingdom things. For instance, I may disagree with certain people on certain things politically. But one thing we agree on is that we need to take care of the homeless. And the hungry. So we can put aside certain differences, right? Amen. Y'all with me? Y'all craving Christmas cookies? We put aside our differences and we focus on things we can collaborate on and agree on. Kingdom stuff. They may not recognize the the things we collaborate on as biblical mandates, but I know they are. So we collaborate on those things. How can we help children? How How can we make a difference? Choose collaboration over control. You can't control the narrative. You can't control how people believe. You can't control how people live. No matter how many Facebook posts or how how many things we put on Facebook, you cannot control the narrative, my friend. The only thing you can control is your own intimacy with God and what He's called you to do. Number four, choose contentment over covetousness. Gosh, you know, when you travel to these other countries like I have so many times and so many of you have, man, it, it really makes you proud to be an American even when America has its problems. I mean, the people on welfare in this country would be considered wealthy in some of the places I go. So why can't we celebrate the goodness of God and what we have here? Instead of constantly fighting, constantly bickering, we need to be content with what God has given us. Can I give you some statements that will lead you towards a life of contentment? These statements have really challenged me in the last two months. I just wanna read them to you. These are things to confess over your own life. Number one, I have nothing that I have not received. Say that with me. I have nothing I have not received. See, American people are the worst because we, we, we think we're all self-made, we're all pioneers, We've done it all ourselves. We don't understand where we were born, what we were born into, the opportunities we were born into. And furthermore, we miss God in all of it, that he created us and gave us the ability to accomplish the things we've accomplished. So by confessing, I have nothing I have not received, it shows humility, it shows contentment, it says, God, it's all yours. And I'm nothing without you. Contentment over covetousness. Next, my knowledge of the universe is limited. We need this in Washington. My knowledge of the universe is limited. There are some things we don't know as human beings, and there are some things we're never going to know. I don't care how many titles you have. I don't care how many degrees you have. There are certain things, like how often an ice cap's gonna melt, or a volcano's going to explode. You can study all you want, but you can't 100% accurately predict those things. If it was, we wouldn't see hurricanes and tornadoes and devastation in Kentucky and places all over the world every few months. There are things we can't control. And by confessing that, It shows contentment. I am utterly dependent on something outside of myself for life. I am utterly dependent on something outside of myself for life. Oxygen, the air we breathe, other people doing what they're supposed to do, collaboration, connection. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. I am utterly dependent on things outside of myself for the life that I live. Contentment over covetousness, and finally, has to be five, because five is the number of grace, and we land this plane right here. Coexistence over cowardice. Now, I still preach sin. If you follow this ministry, you know I'm an expository, verse-by-verse preacher. I can be topical, I can do other things, but I believe in the Bible. Word of God. I still believe sin's a sin. I believe the Bible, all of it. What I'm talking about when I say coexistence over cowardice, some of you watching or in the house, you're so scared to death to commingle with anybody outside of your norm. And it's just not God's best for you to stay in your own group. And for some of you, which I think this is asinine and crazy because I was raised differently than some of you, but some of you have never even ventured outside of your own race. And it's 2021, almost 2022. Get some friends that are of a different color than you. That's pitiful. I'm praying for you if that's you. But I want to challenge you take a step or two further in your kingdom walk. Most of you are kingdom-minded when it comes to race relations, or I pray you're headed that way. But what about someone who's a sinner? Now, there's two schools of thought here in the Bible, and if you take the verses out of context, you can get confused. One says we're to have no connection with the ungodly, but we're also supposed to be salt and light. We're also supposed to connect with people. How are you going to evangelize the lost if you don't get to know them? How are you going to evangelize a lost world if you don't get to know them, if you don't know what they've been through? Some of us are so scared to get outside our box and just listen to someone else's perspective. Why is that? I believe God's calling us to coexist with people who are different than us in theology. Even in the way they live their lives. Not to condone their sin, but to simply build some kind of relationship so when the Spirit of God comes on you, you can evangelize them and witness to them. Is this a challenge? I believe you're up to it. I really believe you're up to it. Have lunch with someone that's gay. I mean, come on. You're not condoning the lifestyle if you're a biblical Christian. You're simply giving the gift of grace. Give somebody the gift of your undivided attention, your conversation, your time. Build a relationship with someone that's different from you. And if they don't fall to Jesus the first time you have lunch with them, keep loving them and speaking truth to them. And watch what God will do. We have to learn to coexist with people of different faiths. We have to learn that isolation is not of God. We're called to let our light so shine before men that people will see our good works and will glorify our Father in heaven, Matthew chapter 5. God has called us to shine out of his house in 2022. So I give you this grace challenge with all humility. Not pretending I always get it right, because I don't. I need your grace as much as you need mine. But I believe we're up to it. I believe God's called this church to be the grace cathedral, as Father Coleman said, in the region. I can't do it without you, and you can't do it without me. We've got to come in covenant right now spiritually and embrace this mission of being change agents and grace agents. We've got to do it together listen I don't want to be the church that jumps on the bandwagon criticizing and condemning and sharing hateful posts I had a pastor reach out to me and ask me my opinion on something this past week he said I'm kingdom and I love you and I love this one and I said well, if you're so kingdom tell your doggone church members to quit putting all this vitriol and hate on social media because mine aren't doing it it's yours That ended the conversation really quick like. See, I can tell a fake preacher that tries to take advantage of someone else's demise quick because I was raised in this world and I know one when I see him. And that's not who I want to be as your leader and that's not who I want you to be as kingdom ambassadors. I want us to consistently be people of grace. And you've been that for me and I hope I've been that for you this year. I want to do better. I believe we can do better, and we can reach people again with the gospel of Jesus Christ that will change their lives, but we've got to receive this challenge from God and get out of our own way and get back to inviting people, investing in people, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I love you with all my heart. I believe you're up for the challenge. Stand on your feet and give God a shout if you think you're up for the challenge. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up all over this place today. First of all, if you're not saved and you need the gift of grace, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in Romans, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, you shall receive the gift of grace. It's already been paid for. If that's you and you need Jesus, Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your gift of grace. I believe you're alive and hearing me pray. Please come into my heart. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer, let us know online. Go to our next steps table, meet with our team in just a moment. Tell them you want to connect with the church, be baptized in January. They'll take great care of you. But for the rest of you, I want to bless you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a house of grace, a people of grace. Lord, I thank you for those lives that have been changed this year, for the people who've been baptized, for the people who've been supernaturally healed and changed. Lord, I thank you for giving me grace when I didn't deserve it. Lord, I pray that we, not thee, but me, and everyone else, that we as a team would receive this challenge from you. We would take it upon ourselves to be change agents, different makers, kingdom shakers in 2022, looking past the faults in the flesh of others into the spirit that lives on the inside of them, being agents of reconciliation and restoration. Lord, I pray that we would give the gift of grace to everyone. Holy Spirit, I ask for your power to fall on this place today. Give people supernatural boldness. Lord, they know what they're called to do. They know what they're gifted at doing. Lord, may they walk in their anointing to help change the lives of others this season. Lord, I love you and I worship you and I thank you for the honor and privilege it is to pastor such a great and godly people. I pray you to protect them and bless them. Lord, be with those who are hurting, who've lost loved ones in this season guide them, give them peace that passes all understanding, and give us an outlook of grace and kingdom as we lead into 2022. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen. God bless you all. I love you very much.